It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Peacock is streaming your favorite shows, movies, live sports, breaking news, exclusive originals, and every live WWE pay-per-view. It's The Office, Chris Lee Knows Best, and Peacock original shows like Punky Brewster. Peacock, watch for free, upgrade for more. Stream now at PeacockTV.com. Hello and welcome to a transfer special edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. I am here with Matt. Hey Pete, how's it going? I'm here with just Matt. It's just me and you, mate. Yeah, we uh, we we've just managed to offload uh, the dead word on the podcast. Uh, they've all gone. Yep. And uh, we decided not to sign anyone. We just uh, we're just going going uh, going to try and wing it for a bit. If we were an era of Arsene Wenger team, I'd say that we were Project Youth. We'd have we well, we'd have twenty four people in the room. I uh, know we 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 would be Project British Core. Oh yeah, because it's the first time we put out an an all star eleven. With no foreigners, it is, and uh, it's it's feeling um, it's feeling great because we're in a foreign country, uh, and I'm excited to crack on with transfer podcast today because I don't think I've ever felt so good after losing so hard against Swansea away. I don't know about how you're feeling. Like, what's that, like? Is this is this the greatest we've ever felt? Is this what it feels like to support any other club apart from Arsenal in the top half? Yeah, like you you sell a good player and you buy a good player. You sell your shit players quickly. Yeah. Um, you you still come out of the transfer window plus seven million. Standard. This is, this is what it used to be like to be a Chelsea fan. Now now it's now Chelsea fans feel like they're Arsenal fans, I think. I think go let's go even further back. This is what it used to be like under David Dean. Oh, it is. Is it the greatest transfer window since David Dean was unceremoniously fired? It almost certainly is. It's certainly better than uh, than the one where we got a guy with a broken back, Kim Carlstrom, come in, and that was our only signing. It was <laughs> that. That was um, that was that was, that was bleak. But, but you can't even say that was peak banter era. 
There have been so many bad January transfer windows overseen by the master Wenger. I can't, I mean, but that's why we've put a little slot in the show a little bit later on to talk about one of our favorite um, transfer banter oh, moments. A trip down memory lane. Yeah. Um, we are going to cover off the Swansea game very quickly today because there's no point in lingering on a bad day. Uh, then we're going to talk about our transfers. We're going to talk about the transfers out because there were a lot. We're going to talk about the transfers that came in because there were, you know, some pretty major ins. Major ins. And then we're going to talk about what it means for the club moving forward. And then we're going to talk about the future of Arsene Wenger, which um, still doesn't seem particularly clear. But anyway. And we'll get a chance to say goodbye to a very handsome French guy. I know. I know. And we'll talk about whether, whether he's a real legend. And he's legend compared to Sanchez. And then also we've got a contract renewal to talk about. Yep. Le Grove kind of semi-broke that first. But we'll get into that. Um, there's no, 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 point in, no point in patting myself on the back of the head um, before we get into that. But um, before we get into the guts of the podcast today, let's just take a moment to laugh at Chelsea and Manchester United. Did you see those games tonight? I didn't watch them, uh, but I saw the scores come in, and I saw uh, I saw some of the some of the lowlights. Um, so it's good to see because uh, if we're messing everything up, it's good to see the same thing happening to some of the clubs around us. Because in our race for fourth, we are going to need uh, the likes of Chelsea and Manchester United to be uh, as abject at times as we are ourselves. And I don't, I don't understand the sort of negativity around gloating at other clubs' misfortunes. We're a Europa League side now. We're going to take the wins where we can. My biggest win this evening was Alexis Sanchez. 77% passes completed. Zero goals. Zero assists. Zero shots. One completed dribble. Dribbled past more than any player on the pitch and dispossessed more than any Man United player on the pitch. Forget it was Tottenham. I've been telling you he's useless for years. Yeah, we knew he was shit. Arsene Wenger's done it again. He's done it again. On that note, let's just move right on in uh, to the Swansea game. We've got to get it out of the way. We've got to get it out of the way because it was fucking shocking. Can, Can I be honest though? Did anyone, did you really care about it? I only cared about it because I thought that the Arsenal, the, the Arsenal, the Arsenal transfer strategy was uh, to shoot for fourth, and I Liverpool stumbled against Swansea um, last week, and I thought maybe we could push and usurp them, and then we lost the first night out, and Wenger said that it was confidence after we just beat Chelsea in the League Cup. And he looked completely flustered. I just, I was just upset that I thought that maybe we could challenge for fourth, but it feels unrealistic. I just think, uh, I just think, like, like we're the worst at multitasking. So what you have to accept is that if we're going to get something right, like uh, a transfer window potentially, then it just means that it's taken all of our efforts to get that right. And there's no way that uh, anyone was actually thinking about the game. Everyone was already thinking about. Uh, a new striker coming and playing for the club, what the future could hold, how everything could even get even better in the summer. 
and the small matter of uh, Swansea game was just sort of forgotten. And I think it really comes back to that point, which is our biggest problem is focus. And uh, and yet again, it showed because clearly the the focus wasn't right. Swansea are not a good team. I mean, they are a bogey team for us, I know, but they're not a good team. And uh, and yet you're right with everything that happened. Uh, we should have done better and we should have made up ground on fourth. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter, does it? Not really, because when you win, there's a chance of fourth. When you lose, there's a chance of us and Benga getting pushed on. It's kind of like we're winning. We're winning both ways. We're winning both ways. But if if we were to dig into what was utterly shite about Swansea, what what would you pinpoint out, out of the players? Who would you say let us down the most? Well, I mean. What's so amusing is that we're we're sort of spending all this money on reinforcements, and you know we are soon going to have one of the most lethal collections of forward players in the league, and yet we are totally abject defensively. You know, yeah. anyone can just walk through our team and score goals at the moment. So uh, <laughs> you still have to say, even though we're feeling good about the window, it's classic Arsenal that we've got a massive defensive issues, and uh, and, and and we do nothing about it. So if you're trying to pinpoint a player, then the offenders, I don't want to, I don't want to go over old ground. I mean, I could have a go at Xhaka all day. <laughs> yeah, but I, th- talking about defenders, let's be honest, I don't want to have a go at you, Matt, but you have been backing Mustafi as Barese all season. You've been defending him as a great defender, but the reality is he's not a good defender. He's fucking average. He was shit again. Come on, like, don't, yeah, don't look well, at me like that. You've okay. got to respond. Okay. We're, we're live. We're right, live let, on Facebook. All right. Well, let's start at the back, right? Peter Cech is not one of the best goalkeepers in the league, let alone the world anymore. He was an absolute great and a legend at Chelsea. Yeah. Since then, in an Arsenal shirt, he's been, at his best, slightly above average, and at his worst, totally abject. His distribution's terrible. He's so slow. And now... He's dropping the types of error that you would never have seen from him in the past. So, you know, I think that uh, getting him uh, shipped off and a, and, a, and, a, and a top goalkeeper in is going to be a priority uh, for our new backroom staff. So he was absolutely to blame uh, at Swansea and contributed to the result. Can I give you a Peter Cech stat? Not the one about him conceding a third of his goals at Arsenal. No, because I've given that like five times. I've got a new one. Oh, a new one. So... He has contributed directly to four goals um, conceded by Arsenal this season. Um, he's like from a defensive perspective. I think he's contributed the most goals um, directly for a team from a defensive perspective. Yeah, I mean, I'd imagine as a goalkeeper, you're probably more uh, at risk of those types of statistics. But... but more than more than Jacker, I mean, unless direct is I I literally passed the ball to a defender. I would have thought Jacker had contributed to uh, more. Jacker couldn't even get his mistakes right to be counted. You know? <laughs> no, he He's can't. Just, uh, I called him. I called him uh, the the Messi of uh, giving away goals today. But that would that would indicate some sort of precision in his game. So so Peter Cech is absolutely uh, an issue. Um, Aaron Ramsey, uh, you know the whole midfield. There's just no urgency and desire to defend as a team. You know, have you ever? Do you ever think, 
Do you ever think an Arsenal team goes out and goes, whatever we do, we've got to keep it tight because we've got enough offensive power to score goals. So just keep it tight and we'll be okay. But we do we do have the ability to do that uh, against Chelsea. Yeah. Chelsea game, Aaron Ramsey sat back, absorbed the pressure, was strategic about when he went forward, well, very this smart is, about how he defended. Well, this is that point about focus. Yeah. Because the players against Chelsea are up for it and they don't want to look like idiots and they feel the sense of competition. They feel the fans. Uh, whereas you just get the sense that everyone was on their way to Swansea. Everyone sort of knew that the real focus of this week was the transfer window. You know, you can imagine Arsene more focused on uh, schmoozing Aubameyang than he was, you know, researching Swansea's last three games. And I think that sort of lack of focus permeates through the squad. I think you can tell with uh, the examples of, say, Conte last season and this season, where when you lose that that one percent or two percent, it permeates through a squad and it has an impact. Even well, Marco but- Silva, as soon as he threw his interest into the Everton hat, his team were like, "You're not going to be here long. Fuck you." Yeah, and I think you know Wenger lost that one or two percent like, over a decade ago. And it's just very hard to keep that level of focus. And that's something that Guardiola is succeeding in doing at the moment. Uh, And I think that's also why managers like Guardiola and like I think will happen to Zidane, they recognize that providing that amount of intensity and focus takes it out of you emotionally. And you can only do it for so long before either the players stop responding to it or you burn yourself out. And I think the the reason Wenger maybe has had so much uh, longevity is because he's sort of been operating on like eighty percent for a while. You know, his, his he hasn't been a hundred percent focused on everything, and, uh, and and that's the staggering point, right? If you put any of the managers that are above us at the moment in charge of some of the squads Wenger's had over the years, and they operated those squads operated a hundred percent, we definitely would have won a league. Here or there. Well, the interesting thing to say would 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 Arsene Wenger at a hundred percent have won more? Because you know, and I think this is I think this is where Wenger actually has a fair point, which is he goes, "Oh, you're judging people by different standards." So we're all talking about if you said uh, maybe not now is the right time, but if you said maybe a month or two ago, or even now, oh, would you rather have a Jurgen Klopp or a Pochettino, are they significantly better managers than Arsene Wenger? Well, you know, the jury is out on those two right now because their clubs are not really going anywhere. And uh, I I don't know whether I can agree with that. Klopp is Arsene Wenger, but 20 years younger, in my opinion. I think he'll always burn out, but he's you can at least see the vision that he's trying to build out his squad. Yeah. But they're not progressing. I don't know. They're, they're, they're steady top four. They're above Spurs. And then uh, Pochettino, he is getting 20% extra out of those players. That's, that, that, uh, that squad, and I, I, I speak to people in the game, and every, like, anybody in and around Spurs knows that that squad is massively overachieving. He's basically operating on £100 million a year less than Arsene Wenger wage-wise. The point I'm making is that they're not going to win anything this season. 
No. And we've got a chance of doing something, albeit a couple of of shitty old cups. But, uh, you know, beggars can't be choosers. Yeah, but then it's uh, – we're judging Arsene Wenger by uh, different standards. But also the standard for Arsene Wenger is if you drop out of the Champions League spaces and deliver a shit season, you're never going to get fired. All the rest of them – as soon as they drop below the the standards of expectation of the club, they'll be gone. If Mourinho fails hard this season, drops out of the top four, I'm not sure that he's getting the last. Well, this is an interesting point because uh, there's a lot happening behind the scenes. And we'll talk about that when we talk about the transfer window. But, you know, it'll be interesting to say uh, to see what is the bare minimum required from the Arsenal board, given this newfound confidence and I think that's what happens when people come in and make changes uh, and you see the fans excited, you see the mood around the club lift. It's a bit like there's a, there'll be a temptation for people to go, oh, we, we quite like this. We quite like this feeling that, you know, we're doing things right and the fans are behind us. And it might make them want to go one step further in the summer. I hope so. I really, really hope so. So if we... Uh, so we've talked about players. We've talked about the manager. Um, I want to come back to uh, two of my favourite things. Giroud? Not Giroud. Um, we're going we're gonna to keep on the Swansea game just for a little bit longer. Oh. But um, m- mental health. Not mental health. <laughs> but maybe mental health. Uh, the, we want to talk that, about a big issue tonight. Yeah, I want to talk about the psychology of Arsenal. We've got this guy called Dave Priestley who's got a fantastic YouTube video where he basically says... We do a philosophy club. They used to do a philosophy club at the Saracens. This guy was at the Saracens. Uh, the Saracens couldn't win anything. Then he left and then the Saracens won everything. And I used to work f- with the Saracens through advertising. So I have a, I know people there and I know what the club did was you, all about. Did you make the video? I made the video. <laughs> Send that recording day prison. So now we, Arsenal are arguably the, the most mentally weak team in the Premier League. And just to sort of ram home the point, and I know that this is just me, but I know other Arsenal fans were thinking it. As soon as I saw uh, Ozil passing the ball through the thick water and the, the water trailing off the ball, and I saw that everybody was soaking wet, I kind of thought, we're not going to win. Yeah, There's no chance we're going to win. This does like It's not even Arsenal don't like it up them. They just don't like uncomfortable Weather conditions. You knew that we wouldn't win. You knew that they wouldn't fancy it. And you knew that Swansea would come out the back of it. Arsenal are making all these changes with the players. When are they going to make changes to people that aren't making a difference? And if we've got a head of sports psychology at Arsenal, what is he doing? Because we've been consistently shite. He's taking World Cup winners and he's reducing them to chumps. It's a bit like, uh, like when your dad doesn't want to leave the house anymore. You know, you go, oh, we'll go around to this person's house or we'll go out. We'll go out to a restaurant. And your dad's like, why would why would we go out? We've got everything here. Yeah. You know, it's it, we've got a great sofa. The fridge is <laughs> stocked. I've got all my stuff here. And it's a bit like that with the Emirates. You know, we love the Emirates. Like, the grass is perfect. You know, you get really looked after. You drive in. You get your home in 30 minutes straight after the game. There's a load of fans there. And, you know, that's like our like our players, you can tell, really enjoy playing at the Emirates, I think. But as soon as it's going away, it's like, oh. 
What is this? Oh, but, 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 but the showers aren't very nice and they don't have my nice products and, uh, you know, all of that stuff. And we've just, it's not even a, you know, when it's raining, we're bad. It's, you know, when we have to play away, we're bad. You know, and like our only away win that I can recall in months was uh, was Palace. Yeah. Which was like the week before Christmas. It was like, you know, it was just yeah. like, a, oh, well, you know, it's sort of almost like a home game. It's only down the road. It's Christmas. I'll be home. But our away record is, is just absolutely dismal. And the hope is that with uh, the new uh, pace that we've got uh, up front with our new signing that you know, maybe we'll be a bit better on the counter. But to be honest, that's not even the problem. The problem is we just don't look up for it. I didn't look interested at all. And I kind of hoped that maybe the Meza Ozil-led Chelsea win would drive us on. But they just turned up and they didn't fancy it. No, and, and there is, like, the similarities with the end of the George Graham era are really uh, startling because I think at that time we essentially became an incredible cup team. And the reason we were an incredible cup team is because it was the, we recognised that was the only way we were going to win. And our season simply became, you know, a general waiting, uh, a sort of period of waiting between fixtures of in, in the cups. And so you'd be like, oh, we've got three league games. But, you know, the one we're really up for is that FA Cup fifth round or the League Cup uh, semi-final. And I think we're sort of in that space now where we're like, Okay, well let's not let's not do anything too crazy. Let's just try and win that Man City League Cup final. That would be a big one. And then and then let's really try and put a run together in the Europa League. And it's stupid because fourth is well within our grasp and and we need to be equally focused on that, but it's just like we said it's this multitasking thing. We can't do all of them. So I think we're preferring to focus on on the cups right now. Yeah, I uh, completely agree really is it terrible to say that i'm really worried that we'll win the league cup final and wenger will get another year is it is it okay to say well if you were going to sacrifice if you were going to sacrifice mikataran who's 28 abamia no sorry mikataran has just turned 29 uh, abamiang is 28 years old would you like sacrifice another year of those two very good players struggling under Wenger or would you say I'll take a league cup loss and Wenger getting shifted on at the end of the season I mean I don't know I think there's there's such change happening across the club at the moment uh that I don't even I don't know whether a league cup is going to make make the difference uh like you could look at it both ways you could say Arsene Wenger's not going anywhere they always he's they're not going to fire him with a year left on his contract whether he whatever happens you know, uh, last year was so unstable and he still stayed. And I know that, will, that people will say the FA Cup, but, um, you know, if they can give him a new job in those circumstances, then I don't know if it's going to make any difference. I think we just have to take whatever we can get. We have to plan for him being gone in 18 months and any sooner is a bonus. But for the first time, you feel like there's a genuine plan in place. And regardless of whether he goes or not, this summer will be spent looking for the next Arsenal manager. So on that note, we're going to move into the next phase of the podcast where podcast podcast where we will talk about the plan. But before that, we're going to talk shirt numbers. We are at 
number 37. Number 37. If uh, Just before we get into this, we'll play a little bit of quiz with the audience back home. Can you name a player that was number 37? You've got five seconds. Five, four, three, two. No, of course you can't. Of course you can't. So, Matt, why don't you take it away? Let's talk uh, number 37s. Uh, well, the first one, and he uh, was a very—he's a very promising prospect, apparently. But I always worry about the people who get termed very promising prospects. I think it's almost better when you haven't heard of them, and then suddenly they're in the first team. Yeah, you know, it's uh, so. The first one is uh, Christian Bielik, Uh still here, still around, uh, signed as um, a midfielder, but has been moved to sort of centre half. Since he's arrived, I do believe. Yeah. Is he on loan? Uh, is he still slugging I it I think out? he's on loan. We're just going to go and, and check that out. Oh, yeah. He's on loan with Walsall. Uh, not to be confused with the capital of Poland, which oh, is... Oh, I was going to say Warsaw, Warsaw or Walsall. Okay, nice. Uh, How old is he? He is uh, young. I think he's... Yeah, he's 20. 20, okay. So right. young for a centre-half. The next guy is a guy called Semi Ajayi. Mm. Uh, and I actually did a bit of research on this guy before uh, we came on it. He plays for Rotherham. Plays for... Uh, oh. Nigerian. He is 1 metre 93 tall. So he's a, he's, a, he's a tall guy. Almost as tall as a door. But we haven't heard anything about him. Uh, so, you know, don't hold your breath. Uh... Oh, this guy. Who? One of our pr- semi-promising strikers. This guy was one of the leading scorers in his age group for uh, England under-18s. Oh. Oh, no. I was, you I, know this guy. Yeah, was, I'm, on a I'm on a WhatsApp group. Uh, one of many Arsenal WhatsApp groups. And there's a guy on it. Who loves this guy? He he thinks he's he thinks he's been shortchanged at Arsenal and should be Shuba. Yeah, Chew, okay, he's going to some <laughs> fucking like weird ass Belgian club. See that? Yeah, I mean he's, but he's been shit everywhere he's gone, hasn't he? He scored. He, he went to hold, didn't he? He was yeah. rubbish there. Yeah, he hasn't he's, scored anything. He scored a couple of goals on his debut, and everyone was like, "Oh, this guy's going to be good." And then, uh, yeah, and then and then he wasn't. Uh, Craig Eastman was a player very, very highly regarded in, in inside the club. Yeah, and like many uh, such highly regarded players, he has gone on bit of a Mark Randall to <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's only gone and Randalled it. Uh, yes, he's now playing for Sutton United in the National League. So Craig uh, was uh, was not as good as we once thought he was going to be. No, and then finally a player we touched on, a legend. D-B-10. Bentley had nothing, really. <laughs> David <laughs> Bentley had the number 37 shirt. Did he? And I can't think of a better player to have a, the number 37 shirt. Were you at the ground when he scored that stupid lob? Yeah, it's great. Oh, I was right behind Oh, oh no, I, I'm talking about the chip. No, the, not Borough. The lob against... The lob for that, Spurs at the Emirates where that, he that scored was, from about 400 yards it was out. A, that was the four-all draw, which felt like a 4-0 defeat at the yeah. time. Our Mooney ring goal. Turd, absolute turd, that guy. Yeah. Supposed to be a very sweet person, though. Had that little dog. Yeah, I'd rather have uh, a sort of uh, convicted psychopath in goal. Yeah, give me that. uh, Someone who looks like Edison. (laughs) Wouldn't. (laughs) Yeah, wouldn't trust him with your sister. Or or his twin brother. Yeah. Uh, So that is the shirt number, number 37, a fairly 
inauspicious list. Uh, I'm really excited about number 38 already. Yeah. Uh, I won't give any 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 hints uh, because it's it's just too exciting. So we're going to head into the next phase of the show. And that is the transfers. Oh, finally, we can get started on the bit that uh, we're really excited about. Yes, transfers, transfers, transfers. So uh, as we speak, the transfer window has been shut for about two hours. And for once, there's some movement in and out. So because there's been so much going on, let's do top line, yep. our feelings. And then we're going to talk through each individual player, how we felt about it and what it means for the club. And then see where we go from there. Yep. So top line, Matt, what are you thinking? Uh, I am uh, absolutely delighted with the window in, as a whole. Yep. As delighted by the outs as I am the ins. Yeah. Uh, we were saying at the start of the season, we're so bad at selling players. And uh, and selling players is so important to uh, keeping uh, a squad hungry, uh, ready for action, getting the right balance. Uh, so... You know, we've had this dead wood around the club for ages. Yeah. Uh, the Theos, the Debushis, the Coquelins, uh, you know, and then we've had, you know, and even the Giroud, to be honest, because the guy can't get a game and, you know, we love to slag him off. Uh, and then we had Alexis Sanchez, who's who's been a problematic character in the dressing room. But you would never have believed that inside 30 days we would manage to get rid of absolutely all of them. And that is the thing that excites me is I'm excited to, to have got rid of them and to have freed up the space and to have made some money to be able to reinvest. But more than that, I'm really happy that the club is finally behaving like a proper club should behave. Yeah, that's that's the bigger thing. It's like it's the gesture of it. It's like because because what it does for me and this is the biggest thing is it goes if you are not playing well and you are not up to the, the standards associated with Arsenal Football Club which are lower than they should be but mm-hmm, yeah. then you will get shipped off because currently it was once you're signed for Arsenal if you're a nice guy you can stay as long as you like yeah and 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 that's the biggest shift because suddenly let's take an example of someone like Danny Welbeck who is grossly underperforming in terms of what he should be delivering as a as a as a as a striker and a and a fairly regular starter for Arsenal, uh, you know, for him it's like basically you're going to be at West Bromwell Palace in six months if you don't sharpen up. Yeah, that's that's what it says mm-hmm. because it's he, he'll have seen it happen to people who haven't been performing, who have been going riding on their reputations, riding on previous quality performances, riding on you know some promise for the future, but. That's over now. And if you're not performing, you're going to be out. And apart from putting shit players on notice, and not even just putting shit players on notice, saying to Debushi, you've got six months to go, you can leave on a free. Just fuck off. Literally, <laughs> fuck off. Amazing. And I've been writing about that sort of mentality for years. I think the last time we did that, it was the Nielsen. Um, but the most important thing out of this transfer window was... Wenger being completely sidelined. Yeah, it doesn't matter what you think anymore. And I'm, I, I'm sure that he was consulted. I'm sure that he was asked his opinion. But ultimately, he didn't have veto power over this window. And as I've been saying for years, he's the bottleneck at the club since David Dean left. 
Arsene Wenger assumed all control and all power and he divers. He doesn't believe in market rates. He doesn't believe in... Uh, super agents. Doesn't believe in super agents. So like, let's let's go through the list of great things that happened. Uh, we're now dealing with Minareola. He's a super agent. Uh, because if you want to be a big club, you have to deal with super agents. Um, we now have a player on 350000 a week. One of the biggest issues that we had with Alexis and Ozil is we should have offered them 200000 a week two years ago after we beat Villa in the FA Cup final, but the club balked uh, paying the extra money, even though they knew the TV money was coming in. But I think the real reason they didn't pay that is because Arsene Wenger would not have tolerated anybody earning more than him. So now we're paying big money and the manager is no longer the the, the focal point of the club. Um, We've got a chief scout. We've got a new director of football who starts tomorrow. Tomorrow. Uh, Dick Law is exonerated to a certain degree because I've been told for years Dick Law is not the problem. He's been in boardrooms with his foot in the door, like one matter, and he's on the phone and Wenger's pulling the plug because Wenger is the guy that's been dithering. Um, And everything happened quickly. We got rid of Sanchez and then we replaced his goals almost immediately with Aubameyang. And I know fans were, oh, you didn't do it straight away. Guillaume Balaguer said 92% of transfer deals are done in the last two days of the window. So now we have a professional process in place. We've got a plan A, a plan B, a plan C. Um, I feel like Sven has maybe gone for the comfort of Germany and the Bundesliga to start with what he knows, which is smart. I think his real test is what does he do in the summer? That's the big one because signing Aubameyang and Mkhitaryan and it's fairly and selling players is one thing like rebuilding the squad in the vision of what 2018 19 looks like is a completely different story well, I think so how a, does he do that i think there's a couple of things on that because i think first of all you know you have to be proactive and reactive i don't think anyone set out to get mick at the beginning of the window i think we thought he was going to go to manchester city yeah and then when we realized there was an opportunity to uh get a better deal with a replacement we leapt at the chance and got Mkhitaryan in uh and I think uh Sven would have made a recommendation on that once he knew that was available um but you know it's uh it was a it, it's it's been a job well done yeah it's uh it's phenomenal and it it shouldn't have even been a question if you hire people that specialize in finding great players they will find great players if you hire people to broker deals they should broker deals you can't have a manager that does all of those things and there's two there's two things that are really making me excited one of which is the the net spend was seven million seven million pounds seven million which is which is great because it's like going imagine this is the brief it's like guys we need you to get us in shape to get fourth and start preparing the club for a new future but you haven't got any money to spend, so you've got to use your existing funds. And the way we've done that is incredibly creative and you know, sets out a really good message for the future about how we're going to handle these things because 7 million net spend as Arsenal is brilliant. Yeah, I mean, people say that that's small club mentality. I saw a statistic from Martin Ziegler the other day. Arsenal have a 
a higher net spend since 2010 than Chelsea, Real Madrid, yeah, Real Madrid, like f- unbelievable. Um, we've got and we've got the third highest net spend in the league over the last five years, which again is ridiculous. Like you have to be able to to, to buy and sell. Well, and, and that's why you you know it's. Uh... There's that old saying, I'm not rich enough to buy cheap, you know, and it's like you have to fill your uh, squad up with high quality talent and then you have to start moving it on and and, and, and really using it to get get deals done because I think more and more you're going to see more player exchanges and and the reality is players don't care. This isn't the era of John Terry and Tony Adams and... uh, you know, all these players who's uh, Gary Neville who play their club. You saw Olivier Giroud going to Chelsea. Do you think he cares whether he's Arsenal or Chelsea? No. Do you think Peter, they don't care anymore because they're professional sportsmen. And as long as they, you know, if if they get the chance to move to another club, get a pay rise, uh, you know, get get a signing on fee. If, they, if, if, if the bonus on top of that is they don't even have to move house, that's amazing for them. Yeah. Why Did I get another... Extra year. Yeah. Yes. Is that another 5.2 million in the bank? Yes, it is. I'll fucking have it. I don't give a shit. Exactly. Exactly. And I think we, that's the mental, that's how, what we need to do to understand footballers today rather than sometimes we're, uh, we, we still think in that old way, which is, oh, you know, they're going to, they didn't want to go or they're so sad. That, that's the life of professional footballer. You know what you're going to have to do. And guess what? You're not going out raging all the time anyway. And you're going to have a beautiful home wherever you are. You're going to drive to training. You're going to play football. And that's that. It's a great life. Yeah. It's a great life. So on the subject of deals, let's talk through some of them. Uh, We're going to talk about the outs first because they're, they're equally as exciting as the ins, if you ask me. Yeah. So let's go through the deals. Theo Walcott to Everton. Great deal. Great deal. Even though he's had an assist and two goals? Yeah, great, great. Let him. I, I hope he scores 20 goals this season. Yeah. Honestly, that guy, we, we, I, I wish him all the best. And uh, and we'll talk a bit uh, more about him later on in the podcast. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm just, just absolutely delighted he's gone. Yeah, in my opinion, he is the poster child of Arsene Wenger's last 12 years in charge of Arsenal. Yeah. A lot of promise, not a lot of application, a uh, hundred not... goals over twelve years is not yeah. a fantastic. It's return. the same argument, you know, as as I think John Cross said. You know, uh, anyone would give their right arm for a career like Theo Walcott's. You know, so so and so, however many caps for England, hundred goals for Arsenal, three FA Cup. It's like, yeah, but it's still not good enough. No. And he is not a legend. Never will go down as a legend. Just no. a really pleasant guy. Um, through a very dull period. Next, Alexis to United. Thank God we got rid of him. He was just, uh, he did not cover himself in glory this season, that's for sure. No. And for all uh, the thinly veiled attempts to appear to be the only person who cared, it was quite clear that uh, his mind was elsewhere. And you just look at the output, the output in goals and assists, uh, in responsiveness from his from uh, from his fellow players, uh, you know, we should have got rid of him in the summer. That was a mistake. I don't think that would have happened under uh, Sven and the and the backroom team. Wouldn't have happened at any other elite club. It wouldn't in have Europe. happened at any other elite club. We ago. should have got rid of him. So uh, good riddance. Uh, thank you for the memories. 
you know, you you were a, a great player for two seasons, you know. But um, I will remember Pascal Sigan more fondly than you, Alexis. Yeah, totally agree. Last season, he lost the ball the most in the Premier League at something like 425. The second person on the list was Christian Benteke at like 325. Um, played for himself, was capable of incredible moments of uh, of magic. Gonna 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 miss watching him just as a he's like a robot on the pitch like run 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 never never ever got injured always wanted to be accountable but ultimately he was in a team um for the, for the first time in 20 years finished outside the top four so not that great for me and it was an absolute pleasure watching him have a nightmare for a really average united side tonight and ultimately he moved for money he's a mercenary fuck him and all of this he's a winner no he's not he's not he's not, he's not robin van persie for me and i you know Whatever. Anyway, next on the list, Debushi slipped out under the radar last night on a free to San Etienne. Yep, I feel a little bit sorry for Debushi. He he didn't have a. He was very unlucky with injuries. Uh, he didn't endear himself by mouthing off a load. And when Bellerin came in, he was clearly a significantly better footballer than him. Uh, but you know what? He's made a ton of money just sitting there, doing, ninety grand a week, doing 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 nothing at Arsenal, and he was. You know, he wasn't a stupid signing because he was the France number one choice at, le- uh, uh, at right back. Uh, a little bit of, old. Ahead of Sanya at the time. time. But, you know, he just couldn't hack it. You know, the guy should never have left Newcastle. That's his level. Uh, all the best, mate. See you uh, when, you know, we'll play whoever your next team is in a pre-season friendly, I'm sure. And this is an example of where you, if you've got a smart chief of recruiting or whatever we call Sven... You identify the the younger version of Sanya coming up through the ranks, who's 22, 23. You get him in the side a year earlier so that he's bedded in. And then when Sanya moves on, you don't have a panic buy. But there was no plan in place. Well, this is like the, you know, uh, the Gail Clichy being like, you know, we knew Gail Clichy was going to be the long-term replacement for Ashley Cole. It happened too soon. But, you know, you had those players. You knew yeah. that you know, uh, that certain players were, were going to come through and, and we need to get back to that in the same way as you can sort of see uh, Eddie Nicotia could be a long-term striker for Arsenal. We need players like that in every position yeah. who are in line to take over and, uh, and and who it's up to them to seize those chances and make it happen. Yeah, and I, from everything that I hear about Arsenal behind the scenes, I was told very... Specifically, Debushi was a, a, a warrior. That he, he he'd throw his everything into it. When he originally busted himself up, the first injury, he was crying at the training ground, um, like completely devastated. But he wasn't a bad player. But he got a bad reputation because he was never available. But I don't think I think he could have had a better Arsenal career. Like had uh, had things gone another way. Yeah, I agree. Different direction. I agree. Okay. Coquelin to oh, Valencia. Great. Valencia. Limited player. Great to see him go. Uh, end of story. Doesn't really deserve any more than that. He is a mere footnote in the history of Arsenal Football Club. Yeah. Centre-back for Madrid now. Arsenal. New. Madrid? Yeah. No, not against Madrid. Fucking Coquelin is centre-back. What a nightmare. Uh, well, who have we got next? All right. This is a tough one. Oh, but it's not really, is it? Maguain to oh, Barcelona. Maguain to Barcelona. How do you feel about that? I know that... I was I lost some sleep. Good on him, you know. If they came come knocking, I don't think there's uh 
there is uh, as, much, I, as much Irish as much you can do. And and the one thing you've got to say is he's backing himself. You know, yeah. And I, well, I and full credit because he's at. If you're at Arsenal and you're a young player, you're at one of the only. And I don't know if we can still say this. One of the only. Well, we can say this. One of the only top twenty clubs in the world who consistently give youth a chance. Uh, so it's a good place to be if yeah. you're if you're a young developing player. You know, Chelsea and Manchester City have got fantastic young players at the moment, but they're they're very unlikely to uh, to to get into the first team. It's well, just... Foden doesn't get a chance tonight, and Sane's fucked himself for a few months. So uh, you know, the fact that this guy is going, I'm in a great place for youth, but I'm going to go and try, try my luck at one of. Um, Europe's elite clubs. I mean, the other way of looking at it is you go, getting educated at La Masia is never going to be a, a bad thing. And whatever happens, uh, even if it doesn't work out, he'll still always have all the English clubs looking to bring him back at some point. Or he'll fall out of La Masia and he'll end up at Roma or exactly. somewhere like that. Exactly. But I, I, I like the the trend for young Brits going and, abroad, right? And, and it's beginning to happen. So it's, Sancho's uh, at Dortmund. Yeah. Um, and City were devastated to to lose him. I think Rory Smith was talking about City and how they won't sign a 17-year-old if they've got a 15-year-old left back that they could get in the way of. But then when something goes wrong in the senior team, they'll just go out and spend, try and spend 90 million on Mares to, 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 to kick it over the line. For such a purist of a football manager, I do feel that Pep Guardiola's letting himself down a little bit at City. Like, he's got the tools to push it over the line. But I guess when the pressure is the pressure, that's what happens. Okay, final one. Um, probably not going to draw too much of a conversation about this. Olivier Giroud to Chelsea. Uh, How do you feel? I feel like a guy who uh, has been dating someone for a long time and has you know, got really bored with them, uh, stopped having sex, uh, finds them actually quite unattractive. Uh, likes them; they're a good person, but you just don't want to, don't want to, don't want to get physical. Uh, and finally, you realise that you're better off uh, apart, uh, and you're so much happier without them. Um, but then you're walking down the street, and then you see them with another guy, and they're looking pretty good, and you're just like, "Did I make the right decision?" Should I have let them go? They're actually they were they were really great, really kind, really warm, and you and you, and you, and you look at them with rose tinted glasses, and I think that's what's happening. And I've seen so many Arsenal fans upset about Giroud, and I think you know Giroud was a great servant to the club, but he wasn't a great player for the club, and this is the kind of behaviour that proper football clubs do: is they get rid of people who aren't playing. And reinvest the squad place, the money, the wages to get someone who is good. And I am, uh, I'm really, really pleased with this. And I think it also sends out a marker because for years, Chelsea were the team who were buying the guy who scored 21 goals in 24 in 24 games from the Bundesliga, who everyone's really excited about. And we were the team getting the dregs and the cast-offs. And this feels like things are changing. We've gone out there, we've got a top-class striker, we're giving away our cast-offs, and we're making money on it. We've doubled our money on him. 
So for me, it's 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 thank you for uh, always being 100% committed. Thank you for the memories. This is going to be one of the first Arsenal players to go to a rival who we aren't going to boo, which is going to be... Uh, which is going to be nice. And there's a reason we're not going to boo. We're not going to boo because we don't really care. I would change the analogy. Oh, I, I would say you're a president of a very big country and you meet a porn star at the country club and she says, I'm going to spank you with a copy of Forbes that you're in it and you love it and it's great, uh, but you've got, a, you've got a nice girlfriend at home and... Uh, then she finds out and then you end up shacking up with the porn star. So we've got the porn star. We've got the porn star. Obama Yang <laughs> is the wild one. He's going to he's gonna be a badass. He's going to be like spreading. He's going to be telling everybody that you got spanked with a false magazine. But it doesn't matter because the performance is going to be elite at every <laughs> single time. You're going to love it. You're never going to be in the bedroom with Obama Yang and be like, this is disappointing. I think that I got my analogy <laughs> blended up <laughs> wrong. And you are looking embarrassed. And I'm really glad that we're on Facebook Live telling that story. But that's the, I think the I think you're right. Uh, uh, Giroud's been boring for a long time. Look, nobody really cared about him. And now we've got this new guy. Everyone's reminiscing about how fucking great Giroud is. Everyone's talk- Somebody said something to me online and they said, you are neither right or wrong when you say Giroud is not a big game player because Giroud is everything and nothing. <laughs> and it's so true, isn't it? Like, okay. Is, is he a big game player? No, I've seen him miss from three yards against Monaco in the last 16 of the Champions League. Um, but then I've also seen him set up two winning goals in an FA Cup final. But the point is, when it came down to it, he's the sort of guy who would go 17 games without a goal in the middle of a season when the, the, a title would be on. Giroud is Giroud, and um, I actually wish him all the best. So do I. Quick question. He looked quite good in blue, didn't he? I saw him. He does look nice. He looks nice in everything. <laughs> uh, quick question. Who is more of a legend, Giroud or Alexis? Uh, I think they're probably about the same because ultimately the only, the only people you remember as legends are when you win something. It's impossible to be a legend if you don't win stuff. And he did win stuff. Yeah, and ultimately, him and Alexis won exactly the same amount of stuff, really, didn't they? They did. So I, so, I, so, I have more affection for um, Shabru. Oh, I've got more affection. But Is that I mean, just because he's a bit shit? He's not, he's not as good a player. <laughs> no, he wasn't. Okay, so we'll talk about the ins now. We've only got three more to go. Costantinos Mavrampravalas. Oh well, we, I mean, we've heard uh, we we, we, we Mav- M- Mavropanus. Just call it Mav- Mavro, aka Maverick. He's a good-looking boy. He's as good-looking as Giroud, easily. Yeah, maybe better-looking. We're excited about him. Uh, I am. Tell excited us a story. About... You've got a story yeah, about got, this. I've got a story. Um, I can't reveal my sources, but uh, I did have a source, and they actually were with. Arsene Wenger, not just them and Arsene Wenger, but they were with Arsene Wenger in a public setting, but within uh, within within the club, so not like at a petrol station or something like at the Emirates. Yeah, and he was talking about this young Greek defender, positively beaming apparently, and uh, and saying how good he was, 
and how how surprised at how good he was and how we should probably expect him to be in the first team sooner rather than later, which obviously made me very happy. The other thing that I think was good about it is I don't think, and I think you touched upon this, this feels like the sort of the new movement feels like David Dean because I think even when people talked about the Jose Antonio Reyes signing of in 2005, uh, that was a signing that David Dean basically forced Arsene Wenger to do. He was like, come on, let's just go and do it. Let's just go and ramp up. Let's go and win the Champions League. Let's go and buy more players. It's just, yeah, we don't need another striker, but let's just buy one anyway and just go all out. And, you know, and I think Arsene Wenger, although he's reticent to making these types of signings, I think when he's got the player, he actually quite likes it. It's like having another another new toy. Yeah. And I think maybe he could get used to this new way of working if it keeps bringing good players into the club who help him preserve his tenure. Because I think he's obviously quite excited about and taken about this guy. And it's like, yes, Arsene, guess what? When you get someone in to help you out, it might actually make your job easier, not yeah. harder. It's like this sense that, uh, you know, he, he's coming comes under threat when other people come in. No, it actually makes your job easier because someone else is doing all the crap you were doing before. Yeah, and that was Sven's first signing. He was originally going to Dortmund, and he said before he left Dortmund, you're coming to Arsenal with me, 2.3 million. The guy's a fucking monster. He's huge. He's absolutely... But finally, it's a signing. If you play in the Premier League, you need to be a big guy, and you're not. it's going to be very difficult to succeed if you're a small defender. So it's um, it's great that power and pace is on the agenda. Next up on the list... Uh, very difficult to pronounce. Uh, Mikataran from Manchester United. What do we think of him? Um, well, and we've seen him. What did we think of him yesterday? It was a bright spot. Yeah, I mean, not, it wasn't. Anyway, look, uh, we had to we had to rescue something from Sanchez going because we completely fucked that whole deal up by by letting it get so late. So the fact that we managed to get someone who we really really wanted eighteen months ago is a good recovery yeah and he has certainly got something because we saw it at Dortmund so far he's he's not delivered in the Premier League uh we don't know whether that's tactical whether it's physical whether it's his previous manager um but you sort of suspect that you know the the kind of people that don't get on with Mourinho are typically the people who love working with Arsene Wenger the kind of people who sort of get bullied and called every name under the sun of the kind that Wenger likes to put his arm around and encourage them to be sort of creative and, uh, and find their inner self. So, you know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling uh, cautiously optimistic about Mkhitaryan. And let's be honest, Alexis Sanchez looked terrible this evening. I know, I know it's only one game. He gave the ball away 22 times against Yeovil in his first game last week. Um, who is excelling under Mourinho at United apart from De Gea? Paul Pogba, someone said he looks like a shit awobi. He's not excelling. He's not playing in his, his correct position. Uh, Sanchez was play- Sanchez was running deeper than Fellaini this evening. And you, you know, I, I wonder whether those sorts of like Salah doesn't work under Mourinho. KDB doesn't work under Mourinho. Like he is not the Mourinho that he was ten years ago. So I'm hoping that we can rekindle a little bit of uh, think, Santi Cazorla. Yeah, I think Mourinho's Mourinho feels like he's toast to be honest. Uh, yeah, and Wenger definitely fancies Mkhitaryan as a Santi Cazorla. He's said on uh, two occasions now that he sees him 
maybe playing as like that kind of box to box player the Santi sort of played yeah back in the day so that's exciting um finally Aubameyang oh so, really excited shit, uh, I mean, shit the, tasting cars the only question mark is really his age it would have been great if he was just a couple of years yeah. younger and and it does beg some of the same questions is why have why has someone not taken a chance on him a couple of years ago why is uh cuz cuz his, his numbers stack up not why not even a Bayern Munich or uh or, you know they must have been looking uh you know they've had great success stealing Dortmund's team why not a uh you know a a Manchester United a Barcelona a, so uh, i i actually did a little bit of um research on Obama Yang earlier and I'm it's not quite stat DNA levels of research because it's probably useful to start with <gasps> uh, so I looked at his goals last season because uh, there was a little bit of a tip off that maybe some of his goals are a little bit easy so I looked at his goals last season when he was playing with Dembele and out of 31 goals 80% of them were from close range and when I'm talking close range, that's sort of inside the six-yard box. But close range, when you're playing with Dembele, is a yard. You've got to go, like, have a look through. Like, so many tap-ins. Like, he scores a few headers and he a few sort of breakaway goals. Um, 10% of his goals were long range, so eight yards uh, and out. 6% were penalties and 19% were goals where he broke away with pace. I'm just a little bit worried that he doesn't have a Dembele to play off. And that if Mkhitaryan is the Dembele because he scored a whole bunch of goals the season before when he was playing with him, that we might be in trouble. Um, I don't, I don't, I think he's going to score goals because he's so quick and we're lacking that. But I, I do worry. Like, look, look at his goal roster of the last few seasons. A lot of very, very close tappings, which says that he's got an instinct. Like, I'd almost, like he's more Ian Wright. Than he is Thierry Henry. Yeah, well, I think that uh, that Ian Wright has got to be the benchmark because he came late, came at the same age, twenty eight, yeah. and he became Arsenal's record goal scorer. So you know that's that's the challenge for Aubameyang. I think it's uh, shoot on sight, yeah, uh, bang him in. Uh, the, the thing oh, bang that, him in. Oh, bang him in. Uh, the the one thing that I think he's got that Lacazette certainly has not got, he's brimming with confidence he like i don't think there's any doubt in his mind that he's like i'm gonna just i'm gonna score a ton of goals here and people are gonna fucking love me yeah he is completely confident and he's got a similar goal record to Lewandowski. yeah which is incredible he's the most excited i've never been more excited about arsenal signing a player in the well in the last 10 years in my opinion, I'm more excited about him than I was Sanchez. I think Ozil was because that was just. Yeah. We, we I wasn't saying. We've been signing Kim Kalstrom and then suddenly we got Meza Ozil. Exactly. So, a few more things to talk about before we leave. What do you think this means for Wenger and the summer? How confident are we that he's going to go or stay? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think for the first time, uh, I'm confident that the club is changing its ways because this. Let's not forget, we have had over a decade of terrible transfer windows. Yep. We, have, we have looked so stupid. We, we have told ourselves, it can't possibly be that bad again. It can't. And then it always is. Always. And, and they always follow the same pattern. So when, when you've had 20 transfer windows all, filling, all following exactly the same pattern, and then finally you get a different one, you're like, holy fuck, this might be it. 
this might it might actually be over like all those ter- this this is like the, this could be the start of a new arsenal and and that's honestly and and maybe I'll look, maybe that just sounds totally stupid to people but i sort of feel like everyone's woken up and and i don't think the uh, the experience that Cronky has had with the rams and the and getting a a young manager in and getting going to the playoffs is going to be uh, is been lost on him and it's that whole sense of be careful what you wish for and then we were all you know worried about what we wished for no not anymore because guess what when you when you ship off dead wood and you bring new players in you can do it with a net 7 million spend and the atmosphere of, around the club guess what the fans didn't really give a shit about losing to Swansea because it's it's not the main event yeah and i think and i think that is going to be a big message to the board because it's going to be if you do the right things and the fans can see you're trying, you get leeway. But when you're not doing anything, every time you lose a game, it's like the end of the world. And and, and that's where the board got it wrong because they think, oh, football fans are so crazy now. Uh, you know, you lose a game and, and everyone wants to sack the manager. It's like, no, we don't want to sack the manager because we lost the game. We want to sack the manager because this is the same result we've had with the same lack of preparation and the same investment in the squad for the last decade. Yeah. And I think, uh, and I think, you know, we, we're going to see the fans are positive. Everyone's optimistic. And now let's see what we can achieve together. And I think this transfer window is a, a noose tightening around his neck. He's not the highest paid anymore. He doesn't control transfers. He doesn't control. He's not going to control when it comes to some decisions around his backroom team, and he's being slowly isolated. Well, so th- that's the hope. And, and if if it continues to go badly on the pitch, when you've got two hundred and ten million pounds well, worth of talent, like you, you're not going to waste the careers of Mikatara and Aubameyang, peak Özil on a shit manager. Yeah. And I think the only grain of hope we've got is what's going on with the Rams. And I th- I think the other thing is, uh, you know, it's like you do it sometimes. You go. It, it's it's about going where the force is and I think rather than trying to get rid of Wenger is never ever 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 going to happen to get rid of him you actually have to give him the rope to hang himself Yeah, and I think that's what we're doing here we're, we're slowly uh, circling him we've got all the new backroom staff uh, we're building the squad on the pitch and it's and it's put up or shut up yeah so on that note, I think we can say goodbye. Yeah. It's, it's been an exceptional transfer special. It's been wonderful. It's been nice to chat. Uh, thank you, Matt. Thanks, Pete. Thank you, Pete. Thanks, Pete. <laughs> and then we'll just, uh, we'll just double check. So interested. So, yeah, not a lot of questions on Facebook Live today. So we're just going to say goodbye. Thank you very much. And thank you to Gotham Studios for um, recording this. You've been amazing. And tune in next week for more. This is Peacock. I love it. It's streaming your favorite shows, movies, live sports, breaking news, exclusive originals. It's The Office. That's what she said. Chrisley knows best. It's going to be Todd's Way or the Highway. And Peacock original shows like Punky Brewster. Holy mackinoli. So whether you're in the mood for every live WWE pay-per-view or every episode of Law & Order SVU, Peacock's got you covered. Peacock. Watch for free. Upgrade for more. Stream now at PeacockTV.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.